The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Five thirty-five to go. Wadley breaking free. A quick race for the end zone. Touchdown, Hawkeyes. Fifty-four yards for Akram Wadley. And now they will go for two to try to make this a touchdown lead. The junior out of Newark, New Jersey with the huge play as he goes over 100 yards rushing on the day. That is their longest play of the year, folks, offensively. Daniels, the lone setback. They're going to run for it, and they're going to get it. Power football from Iowa, and they lead it 14-7. to Exactly what it is. Getting tough, getting back to what they normally want to do. Downhill running, go for a two-point conversion. I'd say the majority of the teams in the country will probably pass it there. Not Iowa. That's what they're born and bred on them. That's what they do. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks' win at Minnesota, and he previews this week's Purdue game. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's contest, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Purdue's Daryl Hazel. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of LandOf10.com and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, plus our our own Tyler Chumeland and Jack Bransgard. Game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2 with announcers Beth Mullins and Anthony Brecht. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeye's mic programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. Iowa continues Big Ten Conference play at Purdue this Saturday. From here on out, pretty much every game is a must-win for the Hawkeyes if they want to repeat as West Division champions. With Iowa's victory at Minnesota last weekend, the Hawkeyes have now won eight straight road games, tied for third longest in the country. The streak also equals the school record set all the way back from 1920 to 1923. Seven of those wins have come against Big Ten opponents. Iowa sits at 4-2 and two overall. 2 and 1 in the Big 10, Purdue is 3 and 2 on the season, 1 and 1 in conference games. The Boilermakers have beaten Eastern Kentucky, Nevada, and Illinois while losing to Cincinnati and Maryland. Purdue leads the all-time series 46-37 and 3, but the Hawkeyes have won 5 of the last 6, including last year's 40 to 20 victory in Iowa City. Iowa has won 3 straight games played at Rossade Stadium. The Boilermakers are looking for their first back-to-back wins since the the 2012 season. This will be Purdue's homecoming and also being celebrated this weekend is its 1966 squad, the only successful Rose Bowl team in the program's history. Iowa has been the opponent 14 times for Purdue's homecoming and the Boilers record in those contests 10, 3, and 1. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz continues his climb up the Big Ten record books. Ferentz, who is in his 18th year as head of the Hawkeyes, has a 131 and 89 record record 
visited Iowa. He is tied for seventh all-time in the Big Ten for overall coaching victories, and he is also seventh in conference wins. Head coach Daryl Hazel is in his fourth season at Purdue, where his record is 9-32. and His career mark, though, as a head coach is 25-42. and He previously headed up the Kent State program, where he went 16-10 and and was 2012 MAC Coach of the Year. This Saturday's game will be televised on ESPN2 with announcers Anish Shroff and Tom Ramsey. As usual, it will be broadcast on the Hawkeyes radio network with Gary Dolphin and Ed Podolak. It can also be heard on Satellite Radio XM 195 and Sirius 135. After this game, the Hawkeyes return to Kinnick Stadium next Saturday to host the Wisconsin Badgers in an 11 a.m. kickoff. Purdue will travel to Nebraska. In tidbits and nuggets this week, Iowa quarterback C.J. Beathard started his first game for the Hawkeyes at Purdue in 2014. He guided Iowa to a 24-10 win in that game. Beathard has now amassed more than 5,000 yards in total offense for his career at Iowa. He's 8-0 in road games as the starter, and he's 11-1 overall in Big Ten regular season contests. In other career stats news, Iowa running back Akram Wadley has now topped 100 points and 1,000 rushing yards after the Minnesota game. Wadley has totaled 1,098 yards altogether, and he scored 102 points at Iowa. The Hawkeyes' eight-game road winning streak is the longest under head coach Kirk Ferentz, and the seven straight road wins in the Big Ten is also the longest in program history. While the overall series between Iowa and Purdue is fairly close, there was a stretch from 1961 to 1980 where the Boilermakers won 20 straight games over Iowa. A couple of Big Ten notes. The Big Ten currently has four teams ranked in the top ten in the national polls with Ohio State and Michigan leading the way. Three of the remaining undefeated teams in the FBS are in the Big Ten Conference, the aforementioned Buckeyes and Wolverines, plus Nebraska. Michigan and Ohio State also rank among the top five teams nationally in both scoring offense and scoring defense, and the Buckeyes are the only team left in the nation not to allow a rushing touchdown in 2016. Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotchy scotch scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. Smith, ball is free. Iowa had the first crack at it, and they got it. Turnover goes to the Hawkeyes, stripped out of there by Bo Bauer. Well, we mentioned both of these players are only sophomores, Beth. That's the big thing. They don't have the experience in these situations, and sometimes you get those youthful mistakes. Really a nice job by number 41 Bauer to strip it and knock that out right there. That's a big play to really turn the tide in this game. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talks about the thin line between winning and losing for most teams, including his Hawkeyes, and the team's preparations for Purdue. Really, I think what's important for our football team right now is that we keep our focus on trying to grow and improve as a football team. Uh, that's where our focus has to be. And then the other part of the equation is you have to navigate through the bumps and you know the challenges that pop up during any season. So as we move forward, those are really the two keys. And I think like most teams, you know, we're certainly in this category, that line between winning and losing. I said that last week is really fine. So what it gets down to, all you can do is really try to prepare and practice well, and then you have to compete on Saturday. And that, that's our challenge moving forward this week. So that's where we're at. 
looking to Purdue. Uh, they come in to the game with a 3-2 uh, and two record right now, one uh, one in the Big Ten, very similar to our record, and uh, come off a really impressive uh, road win in overtime. Showed a lot of character in that ball game, uh, winning the thing in overtime, and uh, a lot of really close calls during the course of the game. They stayed the course and uh, then got the job done. They deserve a lot of credit. Uh, you know, broad frame, I think they've improved with every year. You know, I felt like that coming out of our game last year. They basically out-statisticed us other than the score uh, in every category, out yardage, dust, possession time, all that. So, you know, we had a tough game with them last year. We're expecting that same thing again this this year. They've got a lot of the same players back. And, you know, something else I'd mention about them last year, one of their wins was against Nebraska. It was a good win for them. But two of their losses, a uh, seven-point loss to a 10-win Northwestern team and a three-point loss to Michigan State, the team that we played in December. So, you know, these guys, uh, to me, are on the, on the right path, and they're very capable of playing very, very good football. So we've got to get ready. On top of that, it's a road challenge. Ference was asked how the offensive line played in the Minnesota game after the changes made there and how much anxiety he had going into that contest. Not major. I think, you know, the biggest change was really uh, Ike going to guard. He hasn't done that very much. He's done some of it in practice, and, and we try to, uh, if, if players are capable of being versatile, then we'll try to give them some work at that. But uh, the way we started to tackle, both those tackles started coincidentally in that the Minnesota game a year ago. That was late in November. But, you know, we played three tackles last year, so, and it wasn't solely about that. It was just trying to get guys, I think, where they might be a little bit more comfortable and maybe had a little better cohesion. The whole group had better cohesion. So it was hardly a, a finished product, but I think, I think we made strides the other day, and we'll just have to keep pushing forward, but I'm, I'm encouraged. Ference was asked about his assessment of the team's struggling passing game and the play of his receivers. We just have to keep pushing forward uh, week to week, and uh, you know, not to state the obvious, but we graduated two senior receivers with uh, Tavon and, and uh, you know, Jay Killier. Uh, one of our most productive players has been hurt now for several games uh, with Matt Vandenberg, and then, you know, Part of that equation, too, is Henry Krieger Colby. You think about how many big plays he made last year for us. I uh, wasn't going to run a run by a guy necessarily. At least if he did it, he, he snuck by him. He didn't, he didn't uh, do it with blazing speed. But, you know, a really good football player. And there's a reason why he's still, you know, playing right now in Denver. So, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big hit. So, you know, we're working on that right now. And I think we're making progress. And, you know, I thought we, we played better in that whole area last, last week, the whole group collectively. And that, that's what throwing the ball is. just like running the ball. It's usually... Uh, you know, it's a team effort. You know, every now and then you get a guy like Tony Dorsett that just, you know, makes four guys miss, or Ronnie Harmon is pretty good at that too. But, you know, usually it's, it's a collective effort to get things done. It's like everything. You're just constantly evaluating what you're doing. You know, I just went through the list of guys that aren't here from a year ago. So, you know, you're trying to figure out, you know, with your personnel, you know, where we're at. And then the other thing, when you, when you deal about, and Riley's a great example, is Riley McCarron, you know, was doing a great job on special teams last year. And, and now, you know, in the spring ball, and then most importantly this August, you know, to me, he's really developed into a, a pretty dynamic receiver on top of it. So, you know, he's a much different player than he was last November. And, you know, we got some young guys in that those positions right now, pretty much everybody excluding George Kittle. So, you know, where are they at week to week? And you know, if we're going to be a good football team, all those guys better be better in November. We're, we're going to be out of luck, you know, it's just, a, you know, I can tell you that right now. I'm not big on predicting things, but I'll predict that one. So it's all about how we move forward right now and at what rate we can do it. And then, you know, putting all the complementary pieces together. So that, that's, you know, it's, it's a day-to-day, week-to-week evaluation and probably won't always look the same. But, uh, you know, we got to find out what will give us a chance, especially against the people we're playing week-to-week. Purdue has some funky offensive formations. Kirk Ferentz was asked how much his team has to prepare for things like that. Hopefully your system rules out, you know, any 
any defensive system or you know punt defense or whatever it may be. Hopefully your system is is solid in its foundation where you, you have ways to rule things out. But all that being said, then the people involved have to understand what those rules are. So you have to spend time on it, no question about it. And uh, that that's why people do that stuff. And then the downside is you have to, uh, if you're doing it, you have to take time out of your... So, you know, again, I'm just mentioning we've all got the same amount of time to get ready for a game. It's kind of the same way, you know, what do you want to spend your time on getting good at? And uh, But no no question, I mean, you, you got to cover it. You know, the muddle huddle, or whatever you want to call it, you know, the fake extra point stuff. You, you got to rule that out. You got to go through it and just, you know, all those crazy things. So, yeah, it takes time. Next, we hear from Purdue head coach Daryl Hazel, who provides his assessment of Iowa quarterback C.J. Beathard. What I see from him is he's just throwing it with, with great accuracy. He's got a lot of confidence right now. Uh, he did lose a go-to guy. Sounds like he's going to be out one of his wide receivers, but uh, he's really accurate with the football, and it's coming out of his hands really fast. He throws that bubble to those uh, detached receivers really well accurately so they can uh, catch it and run with it. So we're going to have to uh, get after him a little bit. Hazel talks about about Iowa's success on the road. I've been able to play them since 2004, and they haven't changed. Uh, they're really, really sound. They got a really good offense. The offensive line is really good, I think. Blocking uh, the zone, the, the lead zone, the split zone. They're doing a good job more so this year running power. They don't turn it over. Uh, and then they play their, their shell defense. They play their two-cover shell defense, and uh, everybody knows where, where they're supposed to be. And that's why they're so consistent. Hazel was asked about the importance of homecoming at Purdue. Well, you get all your your alum back, and it's always good to see those people. They're, they're fired up to see the team maybe for the first time this year in person. So that's that's an excitement for them. And obviously there's a lot more energy in homecoming games than typical games for whatever reason. That's everywhere in the country, not just our place, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it certainly has a, an added meaning to it, it being home, homecoming. Coach Hazel was asked what impresses him about Iowa's Desmond King as a punt and kick returner. Uh, he's scary. Yeah, he's really scary. He's an excellent football player, and I think he's really good, you know, both at the, both at punt return and kickoff return. There's something about him. He, he's so he, he catches the ball like it's a pillow. That's the first thing you watch him uh, catch punts. It's so soft for him. But his his first step off the catch is really dynamic. I mean, he's just so fast off the catch, which allows him to make guys miss him and get the ball started. And then he's got tremendous vision around people. I don't know if he's got great top end speed, but he's got enough top end speed to take it the distance. Given Iowa's tendency to play a lot of close games, Daryl Hazel was asked how Purdue can win on Saturday. Well, it's again it comes down to executing and making the, the, the most plays between the two teams and not panicking throughout the course of the game uh, as, a, as a football team. I, I thought, you know, one of the, the messages I talked to the team about on Friday night at the hotel was just being able to play a collective game between all three units. I think that's what one of the things that we have to do better offensively, defensively, and special teams. And I really felt like we were playing off of each other the other day. I thought the punt unit, again, did a great job of dropping it in deep, and, and the defense got them off, and the offense moved it down the field, all those things that you, you look to see for uh, for performance. And Hazel discusses his relationship with longtime Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz. I really have a tremendous amount of respect for him as a person. Uh, I think he's an excellent football coach. You know, there's always those guys in the in the head coaching room that you, you really, I mean, he started at Iowa a long time ago and struggled for his first couple of years. And you study that, and he's the guy that stayed the course. 
and because of it, he climbed to the top. Nash, I mean, obviously, Big Ten champion, all those things. That uh, that's why you you like him so much because he's he's really steady. This drive, as opposed to the first five times they had it much better for Leidner and the Gopher offense. Final two minutes of this first half. Shut out so far. And an interception. It is picked off. And the Hawkeyes have their second takeaway. Manny Rugumba with the pick. A chance now instead for Iowa to try and get some points heading into the locker room. The takeaway for the Hawkeye D. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show, this with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve takes a quick look back at the Minnesota game and then our deep dive preview into this Saturday's contest at Purdue. Steve, as usual, before we look ahead to the Iowa-Purdue game, let's look back to Iowa's road win at Minnesota and another in a series of road wins for the Kirk Ferentz coached Hawkeyes, and it came at really a critical time for Iowa. Yeah, no question. It was certainly a uh, you know a week where Iowa needed to uh, to come out with a win, and uh, the Hawkeyes were able to get that done. It's uh, certainly a crossroads of the season for for both teams in a lot of ways if they wanted to stay alive in the, uh, the division race. And uh, Iowa showing some improvement on uh, certainly on the defensive side of the ball, and probably a little bit of a step forward too on offense. So it, it was a good day for Iowa and Minnesota. And anytime you can. Uh, bring the pig back home. That's a good thing. Turning now to Iowa at Purdue. It's another Big Ten West game. It's on the road. Almost every game at this point from here on out really is a must win for Iowa if they have any realistic hope of repeating as Big Ten West champions and getting to Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship game. And they're going into West Lafayette facing a Purdue team that's got some significant injuries on both sides of the ball. Let's uh, start there with the Iowa offense versus the Purdue defense. While the Hawkeye made significant improvements at Minnesota, especially in the running game, and they still are a team where, after Iowa State, it looked like the offense was really on a roll, going to be able to do some good things this year, and then from North Dakota State on, it's sort of like somebody put a cork in the offensive bottle. Yeah, no question. It, it certainly has been a lack of consistency, and, and just, you know, really the inability to sustain drives has been a little perplexing, especially after the start that Iowa got off to this season, but, uh, you know, I I do think that uh, shaking things up a little bit last week on the offensive line made a little bit of a difference. Uh, you know, I, I think it was maybe more of anything else, just more of a, a mental hit the restart button and, and kind of go from there. Paul Crossan obviously has been dealing with a little bit of an ankle thing, and I think that by shifting from one side to the other, that allows him to maybe play a little stronger, and he certainly performed well in Minnesota. So, uh, you know, some of the issues that Iowa had with sacks, I think, maybe have, have uh, been taken care of with, with the 
shuffles that, that were made. Uh, we'll find out a little more moving forward because certainly Purdue is, has indicated that uh, uh, they feel like the best way to, to uh, deal with Iowa's offense is to, is to kind of disrupt uh, Beathard as much as they can. The O-line only gave up one sack against Minnesota. They have 15 on the year, though. But back to your point about swapping the sides of the line out, the left side certainly had much better pass protection last week. And Cole Croston moving to the right, he graded out as one of the better offensive linemen in the Big Ten in that performance. So it looks like they've hit on something there. And Croston had been struggling significantly before when he was on the left side. So we'll see how that works out going forward. In spite of that improved play there, Iowa's offense remains in the doldrums in terms of FBS rankings. They're 115th in total offense. They're 94th in rushing offense, which I think is a surprise to everybody. They remain 102nd in pass offense. And earlier in the season, when the offense was doing well in those first two games, they were getting big yards on first down plays, leaving very short second down and in when they needed it to get to third down. One of the reasons they seem to be struggling on third down conversions, and they're they're only at 37%, which is 10th in the Big Ten right now, is they haven't been getting that many yards on first down plays, and it leaves them in the hole when they're trying to run third down plays. Certainly did a little bit better job of that last week to, to create more third and shorts, which which I think certainly worked to Iowa's benefit. But you're right, the, the first and second down yardage has, has been an issue, and, and uh, you know just the inability to, to get that three or four yards to put yourself in a in a second and, and medium, and then a third and short is uh, it, it's critical. And uh, uh, you know what we were seeing in third and long was simply you know way too much predictability, and and certainly an opportunity then for the defense just to kind of rear back and, and let CJ have it. And uh, you know it's one of those things that uh, one thing leads to another. And, and uh, you know, I think that what we've seen, uh, at least last week anyway, was was kind of a step in the right direction. It'll be interesting to see how that carries over against a Purdue defense that has been extremely soft against the run all season long. One place Iowa's offense has excelled this season all year long is in the red zone. They're first in the Big Ten, tied for ninth in the FBS. They've converted 15 of 20 in the red zone in touchdowns and 19 of 20 overall. So there's hardly any room for improvement in that respect. Certainly, I, you know, I, I do think... Uh, they settled for a couple of field goals last week. Uh, Keith Duncan got a little more work, and you know, which is a good thing. I think that you know, the more experience he gets, the better. But uh, certainly, when you get down in, in in there, you want to come away with six as opposed to three. And and uh, I think that uh, um, you know, while being productive, I think they they also felt they were left Minnesota with some points uh, on the field. Quarterback C.J. Beathard continues to look like he's in some kind of a funk, uh, particularly when it comes to passing. Coincidentally, he won his first game ever as an Iowa starter at Purdue. Last week at Minnesota, it broke a string of nine straight games where he had at least one touchdown pass, and they're working on him to do shorter drops, quicker passes, see if that'll get things going again. Yeah, and I certainly think that that is something that uh, should benefit Iowa in a lot of ways. I think it helps uh, it helps the line play. I think it uh, helps the receiving core, which is still kind of adjusting to, to the loss of Matt Vandenberg. Riley McCarron has stepped up and kind of become the, the, uh, the go-to guy at this point. But, uh, you know, the Hawkeyes need a, need more consistent options, and whether it be Germanic Smith or, or Jay Shield or more of, a, of an emphasis on George Kittle, who's seen some added defensive attention the last couple of games. You know, somebody's got to be that next guy to kind of spread things out a little bit and, and open the offense up, and, and, and that hasn't happened yet. We saw four or five drops last week at Minneapolis that was, uh, uh, you know, kind of a continuation of what we've seen the last few weeks. And, you know, some of that is just an experience playing out, and, and – uh, you know, the only way to get experience is, is to continue to send those guys 
out there, and, and uh, you know, that's what I will continue to do. To your point on the drops, well, McCarron has been the leading wide receiver the last couple of weeks against Minnesota. He had two drops, and he had a costly fumble. Kittle, to your point, has been getting double teamed almost constantly, so the pass game really isn't going to improve, like you said, until there's not only more wide receivers involved, but more tight ends involved. And that's been a big question. I mean, uh, certainly Iowa's depth at, at tight end is, has been uh, uh, you know, a, an issue as well uh, and with John Wisniewski out for, for an extended period of time. I think there were some thoughts that uh, at least heading into the season that he might be that second guy. Uh, what we've seen is uh, you know, Noah Fant stepping up a little bit. Uh, Peter Picar certainly has been having some uh, some minutes and plays, but uh, you know, I think he's he's proven uh, at least to this point that uh, you know he is he is more of a, a blocking type tight end as opposed to a receiving guy. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how how the depth continues to develop both there and at the receiving positions because uh, you know moving forward Iowa certainly is going to have to rely on more people than than kind of how tightly uh, this tight knit group that we've seen be involved in the offense so far. Iowa's running back duo of Akram Wadley and Lashawn Daniels continues to perform pretty well. They combine for 41 carries, 179 yards at Minnesota, and that goes right into the Purdue defensive issues. Purdue is 13th in the Big Ten overall in total offense, surrendering 432 yards per game. They're 13th in the Big Ten in points per game at 31.4. And most importantly, if you're Akram or Lashawn, Purdue is giving up 244-plus rushing yards per game, which is also 13th in the Big Ten. They gave up 315 rushing yards last week to the Illini. And, uh, yeah, and, and the week before, they weren't any better against Maryland. Uh, uh, you know, they gave up 400 yards on the ground against uh, the Terrapins. So, you know, th- this is a defense that has struggled to, to defend the run throughout the season, and it has been particularly bad since uh, entering Big Ten play. So, you know, it, it should be an opportunity for Iowa to move the football. It'll be a good measuring stick to see how much growth has actually taken place since that game at, uh, at Rutgers. Rutgers is the, the only team below Maryland in, in Big Ten rush defense right now. And Iowa was able to put 193 up on the board against the Scarlet Knights. So we'll, we'll see what uh, what three weeks worth of work has, has meant to this football team on Saturday. These kind of defensive struggles for Purdue are a little bit surprising because they returned three or four starters on their defensive line. They returned four linebackers who started multiple games at some point in their careers there. They have an outstanding defensive tackle in Jake Replogle who had his best game ever against Iowa last year where he had five tackles, three for loss, two sacks, a blocked kick. He's very active and productive. He's on the Lombardi watch list, but he's been out of practice this week. Probably their best linebacker, Jawan Bentley, has been out of practice this week. And uh, one of their two starting cornerbacks is doubtful for the game. Yeah, it's been uh, that type of a year for Purdue. And and, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, if you are in their situation, you need your best players on the field. And they have haven't really been able to uh, to accomplish that, and and uh, certainly that's been a factor in, in kind of how things have went. Uh, uh, you know, they, they were able to overcome quite a few injuries really last week to, to get a win at Illinois in overtime after, especially after Illinois' quarterback went down and left the game fairly early. So it is a uh, you know a situation where you know I'm sure they would like to have a full complement of players to face Iowa, but that hasn't been the case. You know what they are doing is they are developing some younger guys who, who certainly should be able to benefit 
benefit things, uh, well, you know, moving forward. But, uh, you know, yeah, with Daryl Hazel in his fourth year, uh, you know, it, it's important for him to win and, and win now. One big advantage for Iowa in this game appears to be the turnover margin. Purdue is minus six. That's last in the Big Ten. They've only got 24 points off of turnovers. They've been very prone to making turnovers. We'll talk more about that in a couple of minutes. But Iowa's been very successful so far, plus five. And that's in spite of the picks that Beathard threw last week. They've got four picks. They've got six fumble recoveries. Six of those ten have turned into touchdowns, and they have 42 points off turnovers. Yeah, it's been a big part of what Iowa's been able to do. And, you know, it's helped, uh, helped the Hawkeyes kind of overcome some shortcomings. There's no question about that. You know, Purdue's only forced three fumbles this year. So, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a byproduct of kind of where things are at defensively for them. It's, uh, you know, the type of thing that uh, uh, turnovers are big and then they're momentum changers. And, and certainly, uh, you know, Iowa was able to overcome three in Minnesota, but they were also able to force three up there, which I think was a, uh, an important factor in that game. It set a, set a tone. And, and uh, certainly I think that uh, the Hawkeyes will be able to uh, put themselves in a better position to win this week if, if they're able to con- kind of continue to keep the pressure on the opposing offense by forcing turnovers. After this break, Steve and I look at the matchups between Iowa's defense and Purdue's offense, special teams, and we talk Big Ten. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. Let's flip the coin here, look at Iowa's defense against Purdue's offense. Iowa remains 72nd in rush defense, but as we've been discussing, they were much better at Minnesota. They are, however, 13th nationally in scoring defense, 16th in red zone defense, and they're only giving up 16.5 points a game. Yeah, uh, you know, the uh, they've been able to keep people off the board, which, you know, uh, you do that, you give yourself a chance. And with, with the exception of the Northwestern game, it seemed like everything with a struggle. Uh, you know, this defense has shown up pretty much uh, on a regular basis ready to play and, and I do think that uh, if you take a look at, at, at the growth that they've seen from one week to the next, I think that uh, Jerry Jewell continues to, to do a terrific job of kind of leading things from, from the middle. Uh, you've got a uh, you know a strong back end, which certainly was expected. The secondary has performed well. Uh, Desmond King is, is having a, a dominant senior season, maybe not statistically uh, to, uh, to his liking or 
or, or certainly not putting up the interception numbers he had a year ago, but he certainly is factoring into how teams game plan for Iowa. And I think that only helps the Hawkeyes compete. It's kind of funny. It's not Des King's fault that they won't throw at him. If they throw at him more, he might have some picks. We'll see what happens in this game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one of those things that people have been initially just kind of shying away from that side of the field totally. Minnesota challenged him a few times last week, and he almost came away with a, a pick pretty early in that game. And, uh, you know, probably just a matter of time. Somebody will make a mistake, and, and uh, King is uh, certainly uh, one of those guys who, who's ready for an opportunity when it, when it does come his way. The defense held Minnesota to 263 total yards, only 102 on the ground, and Minnesota's a very good rushing team. To your point, linebacker Josie Jewell is fifth in the Big Ten now at nine tackles a game. He has 231 career tackles, which now ties him for 44th all-time with Mark Bortz, for those of us who are old enough to remember when Bortz played here. Free safety Brandon Snyder has become a bit of a factor the last few games. He's had four takeaways in the last four. He's a big hit guy, and he makes big plays at the right time, and, and yeah, his ability to, to get an interception and a fumble recovery last week were both big, and he's kind of settling in there. It's been uh, interesting. The safeties have uh, have kind of been attacked uh, by opposing offenses the last couple weeks, and uh, Snyder's ability to kind of turn the page and, and, and move on to uh, to be able to, uh, you know, get the ball back in Iowa's hands, it, it probably is uh, creating a few uh, second guesses as well, I would think, in, in terms of offensive coordinators' uh, plan. Prior to last week, the focus for a lot of the defensive issues were on the free safeties in terms of their ability to tackle in space and also on linebacker Bo Bauer who's kind of struggled pretty much all season long but Bauer had a much better game against Minnesota. Absolutely yeah. Bo uh, seemed to uh, you know kind of clamp down a little bit and, and perform the way that I think that, that he expected to perform throughout the season You know, and I, and I feel like too the defensive tackles, uh, the interior of uh, Iowa's defensive line whether it be uh, Jalil Johnson or, or Nathan Budget or, or Faith Attackity. I think all three of those guys kind of stepped up their game and level last week. And that, that was pretty big. Iowa's play down the middle is pretty strout. And that did a, a good job of taking away Minnesota's preference to, to run the football. Purdue has a diversified offense, but kind of a mixed bag when you look at their stats and their game so far this season. They have 24 first downs per game, which is uh, a lot better than the Hawkeyes. They're seventh in the FBS and third in the Big Ten and third down conversions, 52 percent, but they're last in the Big Ten in red zone offense. They've only been able to score 13 of 21 times and only 9 of 21 touchdowns. However, they did do better than that last week. They were 4-4 against Illinois. Yeah, you know, you kind of flip the script there from from Iowa's effectiveness in the red zone to Purdue's inability to to do much. You know, some of that has to do with inconsistency. They have a freshman kicker as well who who has struggled off and on all season, uh, 4-7 from field goals. They've been... um, the type of team that, uh, uh, you know, it shows you kind of why they've had the struggles that they've had. I mean, over not just this year, but a, a, an extended period of time. They're not they're not a very confident football team. This is a program that hasn't won back-to-back games since 2012. So it, it's been an issue for Purdue, a long-term type situation. And, you know, I, this is uh, the type of, of, of year when uh, David Ball won the quarterback's position in August. Uh, you know, they were expecting, uh, you know, him to, to kind of lead some growth and you know the win at Illinois is a, is a good step forward for Purdue but uh, certainly two in a row would probably be that next step for the Boilers. They have uh, some train themed offensive formations and plays. They call their Wildcat an Amtrak and they've run it several times and, and done fairly well with it. They have a really odd formation
formation where they split two offensive linemen out wide. It's unclear what they might run off of that, and their head coach, Daryl Hazel, sort of joked about it in his press conference earlier this week. They call that their Polar Express, but the main reason, one of the main reasons at least, they run those plays, Hazel says, and that they're always in their game plan, is because it forces the opposing defense to prepare for those, which takes away preparation time for other aspects of their offense. No question, and, and uh, you know, he alluded to earlier this week that, you know, if they can force a opposing uh, defensive coordinator to have to spend, you know, 15 to, to 20 minutes uh, working on something that uh, might be a little unusual or out of the norm, it does. It, it does take away from the time that you have to focus on, on Purdue's main weapons in practice and their main stuff. And you, you It's kind of the risk-reward thing. Uh, if, uh, you, if you decide not to focus on that, they certainly are capable of, of uh, you know, using the Amtrak to uh, to uh, create some issues, and, and they, they were able to run it effectively a couple of times last weekend at Illinois, and in one case for a pretty critical first down in the, in, in the second quarter. And you know, it, it's the type of thing that uh, you know it's a little gimmicky, uh, but uh, uh, when you're in their situation, gimmicky is something you, you probably need. It. It's also easy, I think, to kind of get kids a little psyched up and, and to kind of buy into uh, to having some fun with the game in, in a situation where maybe the wins aren't coming quite as quickly or as, uh, consistently as you would hope. Purdue does lead the Big Ten in one category. They have more former starting quarterbacks who are playing in the SEC than any other Big Ten school. Their current starter is quarterback David Blau, as you mentioned. He's second in the Big Ten in passing yards per game, nearly 260 yards a game. He's completing 57% of his passes, seven touchdown passes. However, he's already thrown nine picks. And while he's a run threat and they've got a veteran offensive line, he's only been sacked seven times, that propensity to throw picks creates a real opportunity for Iowa and remains a problem for Purdue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it certainly has been kind of their bugaboo this year. And, you know, David Blau is a, is a sophomore. He, he started eight, eight games a year ago as a, as a freshman. So, uh, you know, he, he's not totally inexperienced, but uh, yeah, that, that uh, you know, the, the interception to, to, to touchdown ratio is not where you would want it to be at this point in his career. And it certainly has opened some opportunities for, for opposing teams. And, you know, he, he's a guy that Iowa was uh, aware of, uh, as, Co- as Kirk Ferentz put it on the, uh, earlier this week in the recruiting process, but uh, Texas kid. And uh, he's having some growing pains as, as he kind of adjusts to uh, a different collection of personnel. And, and, and some of Purdue's effectiveness, too, let's be honest, has been, has been they've had some injury situations on offense, too, which have kind of factored into things. To your point on the offensive injuries, their leading running back from last year, their leading rusher, Markel Jones, also their leading rusher this year. He didn't play versus Illinois because of an injury. He's also, however, expected back this Saturday against Iowa. True freshman Brian Langford Johnson stepped up against Illinois, had 127 yards rushing on 18 carries, touchdown. He also caught three passes, uh, and he returned a couple of kickoffs for 43 yards total there. He's the second leading rusher on the team, but he also got nicked up versus Illinois, and then they had to have a third guy step in, redshirt freshman Richie Worship, who played pretty well to finish out that game. Certainly, uh, yeah, both uh, Langford Jansen and, and uh, Jones uh, had shoulder injuries. They're both expected back this week. You know, Blau can run it a little bit as well, but uh, it has been kind of mix and match, and you know, I think the biggest thing to take from the Illinois game is, is that they now have some newfound confidence in, in Langford Johnson to be able to, to kind of take a little bit of, of, of the pressure off of Jones, who who uh, has kind of been 
the workhorse of, uh, from a running back's perspective in the Purdue offense and with uh, 73 carries already this season through four games. And, uh, you know, if they can spread that load around a little bit, I think that probably certainly benefits Purdue not only in the short term, but probably in the long term as well. For his performance against Illinois, Lankford Johnson was named the Big Ten Freshman Player of the Week. Their effective passing game, their two leading wide receivers, and they're near the top of the Big Ten in receptions per game, are Dominic Young and D'Angelo Yancey. Young has been terrific for them. However, he left the game with such a serious leg injury that he's going to have surgery and is out for the season. It'll be interesting to see what Purdue has now in store in terms of backups out there to kind of make up for that production. As I was found out, it's difficult when your leading wide receiver goes down. It certainly changes the dynamics of things. And, you know, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, as Iowa tried to move beyond Matt Vandenberg's injury, there is a bit of a kind of hit the reset button and, and everybody's roles kind of get redefined. And, you know, certainly D'Angelo Yancey is a veteran receiver. He's been around for several years now and is a quality quality target for, for David Blau. But, you know, they're, they're going to be relying on some uh, some guys who maybe haven't been quite as uh, productive so far this season, but uh, Belial Marshall is, is a guy that uh, I know that they think fairly highly of. They've uh, um, also got a freshman in, in Terrence Landers, who I, I expect will become a little more of a, a factor in their pass game uh, moving forward. He's a, a guy that uh, Daryl Hazel has spoken very highly of this week, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, he fits into the mix as well. Let's spend a couple of minutes on special teams. Iowa's special teams play continues to be a real strength for this team, and you focus especially on Ron Caluzzi. He's not only the punter, but has done a terrific job on kickoffs. 25 of his 32 kickoffs have been touchbacks. It's first in conference, and nobody else is even close. And his 42 yards per punt is sixth in the Big Ten. So he's really made a big difference in terms of field position issues, makes uh, playing defense uh, a lot easier when when he's able to do that kind of thing and, and kick it. Yeah, and, and he's been so consistent. I mean, from, from the start of the season until now, that's uh, become something that you almost take for granted, but certainly his ability to, to put the ball inside the 20 and, and create some long field situations and, and really just kind of flip uh, flip uh, starting points it, it has been big for Iowa. There's no question about that. And they will need that moving forward. The weather's starting to, to become a little more fall-like. And, and as we know, uh, conditions uh, will become more and more of a factor as uh, the season grows on. But uh, uh, yeah, certainly Ryan Coluzzi has been uh, money well spent in terms of a graduate transfer. Uh, you couldn't have asked for a, a better situation in terms of how that's played out. And in spite of Iowa's offensive struggles, Desmond King is both punt returner and kick returner has certainly given them multiple opportunities with decent, if not really very good, field position. And right now he's sitting at third in the Big Ten overall in kickoff returns. And we've seen some ball also, balls also headed to Riley McCarron, too. And I think the fact that Iowa has two two uh, guys who are very capable back there, I think uh, certainly has to be given a few uh, few headaches to uh, to opponents as well. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time before Desmond, I think, probably breaks one. But uh, he's been awfully close a couple of times. And uh, it's uh, it's going to be a fun day when it does because uh, Desmond is uh, pretty anxious to have that happen. Probably almost as much so as he is to get that next interception. Now, kicking to him.
him this week will be Purdue's punter Joe Schapper, who's been very good this season. 60% of his punts have been inside the 20, 12 punts inside the 20. 11 of those 12 have been inside the 15-yard line. Yeah, very consistent, and, and he, he's one of those guys that I think that uh, he's helped Purdue a little bit, especially last week in terms of, of kind of keeping them in that game. And, you know, not, not unlike Kaluzzi, he, he's got the ability to, to create some long fields, and, and uh, you know, as we've seen with this Iowa offense, that can be a bit of a challenge at times. So, you know, his leg will be an important factor for Purdue on, on Saturday, no question. You mentioned earlier in our discussion that their place kicking has been somewhat inconsistent. J.D. Dellinger's their place kicker. Uh, he's only hitting 57% of their field goals. However, I think he has to have a big boost in confidence after coming in in that Illinois game and winning that game in overtime with a field goal. And for that performance, he was named Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week. Yeah, he had two field goals in that game. So, uh, you know, certainly he, he put them in a position to be tied at the end of regulation, and, and then he won the thing. So, you know, uh, those are the type of days that, that young kickers need to kind of grow, gain confidence. And he's sitting right now at 4-7 on the year, but he showed up in Champaign 2 of two of 5. So, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, as a, as a, a kicker gains experience and, and uh, belief in, in, in the things that they're doing on a daily basis. And, you know, you're not kicking for a Big Ten team if you can't kick the football. And, and uh, uh, you know, I think that he certainly has probably, a, you know, a much uh, more confident leg heading into this game than he probably did a week ago. And that's probably a good thing for Purdue. Before we get your prediction, spend a couple of minutes here on the Big Ten. Last week, BYU defeated Michigan State 38-14. to So the Spartans are continuing to have major struggles, uh, even worse than Iowa's. Penn State gave Maryland its first loss in conference play. And I think in some respects, Maryland was maybe the surprise team going into that game in the Big Ten. This week, you've got several important matchups. Speaking of Maryland, they're hosting Minnesota. Another loss certainly knocks Minnesota out of the Big Ten West race if they're not already out of it. Nebraska's at Indiana. That could be a really interesting matchup because Indiana's playing better. Maybe it's a good thing they're not on Iowa's schedule. And then you have Northwestern at Michigan State and Ohio State at Wisconsin. It is an interesting weekend, and you're right with Minnesota. You know, Maryland looking to bounce back after some struggles offensively against Penn State. Should be an interesting game out there. The Gophers will be without uh, you know, their starting quarterback. Uh, Mitch Leidner has a concussion and is not expected to play against Terps. So that's, uh, that creates some issues for the Gophers. It should be an interesting game in Bloomington, as you said. Indiana's defense is much improved this season compared to maybe where they were a year ago. Uh, Nebraska uh, appears to have some things ironed out offensively. It should be an interesting game, and it's an important game. I mean, Nebraska, certainly they're the only team in the West right now that hasn't lost in, in Big Ten play. And if the Hoosiers were able to to kind of bring the Huskers back to the pack a little bit, that would uh, create a lot of interesting scenarios moving forward for a lot of folks. But uh, again, it's a road game, and any time for you, you know, if Nebraska were to get that uh, uh, in Bloomington, it certainly would be beneficial to them. And uh, you know, I think all eyes are, you know, on on Michigan State as well to see what the heck is going on there. Tyler O'Connor is uh, one of three quarterbacks who kind of share the starting role this week, and Mark D'Antonio kind of opened things up. He benched uh, to O'Connor in, in the fourth quarter that loss to BYU, and they're taking a look at uh, at multiple arms this week, and will go with whoever is the most consistent in practice, is what he says. So, interesting scenario there with, with the Northwestern team that certainly is in need of a win as well. It's, uh, 
the, under the lights in, in Madison, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. It, it should be a, a, you know, a terrific matchup, I would think. Uh, uh, the Badgers certainly uh, playing fairly stout defense. Ohio State is uh, you know doing uh, terrific things with new players and, and just kind of continuing to roll along. And at some point, uh, this will be a major hurdle for Ohio State uh, to kind of have a chance to uh, to uh, you know keep things uh, on the clear side of the ledger there for them. And, and uh, Wisconsin certainly in a position to to come away with a win out of that one would be a, a huge victory for them heading into a game in Iowa City next week. Looking ahead at the schedule, this game at Madison on Saturday night may be the last reasonable chance for a team to beat Ohio State prior to that end of the season Ohio State-Michigan matchup. So it's got huge implications for the Big Ten as well and, and for the national rankings given where Ohio State and Michigan now stand in the polls. Yeah, absolutely. You've got a couple of top five teams and, and four Big Ten teams in the top ten in this week's AP poll. It's it's a, it's just kind of a top-heavy league right now and, and uh, you know, if you take a look at, at what Ohio State does have coming up, I mean, they hit, hit the road for Penn State next week, uh, which will be a bit of a rivalry game, but uh, you know, then they finish with you know Nebraska, Northwestern and Nebraska at home, and then road trips to Maryland and Michigan State before uh, playing that school from up north, and uh, that's in Columbus this year at the Horseshoe. So uh, this is a, a probably a, a, as tough of a road trip as, as the Buckeyes have had, certainly since they went to Oklahoma, in, and that's why you go to Oklahoma in September, is prepare yourself to go to places like Madison, and uh, the Buckeyes performed pretty well that night. So uh, it'll be a challenge, no question, for, for uh, Wisconsin and for Ohio State. Let's go back to Iowa-Purdue. Kind of an interesting matchup when you look at all the statistical breakdowns here. Clearly, Iowa has more talent overall than the Boilermakers, and what's your thinking on this game? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, certainly probably the best quarterback in the place on Saturday would be Bob Greasy, Purdue's uh, recognizing its 1966 Rose Bowl team. So the good news is he won't be on the field, but uh, uh, you know, this is a, a game that Iowa, with the strength, uh, I think that uh, you know of, of its running game compared to where Purdue's run defense is at, I think is is an advantage that Iowa needs to take and, uh, and exploit. I think if that can happen, I think Iowa can get out of there with a comfortable win. They certainly uh, can't avoid looking ahead to Wisconsin at all, and I, and I don't think this team will. I don't think they're in a position right now to kind of look beyond anybody, and I think the losses to to North Dakota State and Northwestern have have certainly woken the team up a little bit and we're going to learn an awful lot about the Hawkeyes this weekend and that's been kind of the interesting thing the last couple of weeks is you know we're, we're learning about them from one week to the next and and uh, you know how they perform on Saturday will certainly I think set a tone for what lies ahead. Right now I think I'm taking a look at uh, 31 to 20 with uh, Iowa getting out of there with a victory and uh, I think uh, at this point I think you take that if you, if you have a chance to get it and and I think the, the number of points I think will be uh, dictated in some ways by uh, Iowa's ability to run the football. Break out the champagne! It's in the bag! The fat lady has left the building! (laughs) Iowa Hawkeyes trailing early in this fourth quarter. They get the huge touchdown run from Akram Wadley, and then a two-point conversion, and another big stand by their defense down in the red zone. And they will win it 14-7 as they get the defensive stand on Minnesota and a big Akram Wadley fourth quarter touchdown run, and there they go for Floyd of Rosedale, 14-7, Iowa beats Minnesota. (laughs) 
Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. Our thanks again to ESPN2 for the game highlights this week, and thanks as always to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting Iowa athletics for 10 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.